Hey, friends. Hey, guys. Sup? What it is. Super Bowl Sunday. Happy Super Bowl Sunday, which is an iconic Sunday. Iconic. Mm-hmm. You made cookies today? Cookies. I made homemade vegan Twix bars. Which Yo, I'm excited. Better. Hey, Matt, will yeah. you take those out of the freezer? Because I was supposed to take those out a while ago. <laughs> got to make sure those suckers are okay. I got to check them. Thank you. Um, yeah, so the Bucks are playing at home, which has never happened, whoop, whoop. which is cool. And the Chiefs won last year, so if they won two years in a row, that would be tight. This is just a fun day. You know, I don't really care about football. It's cool. It is. So I think it's cool. It is very cool. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I like our guest today, Miss Adrienne. Yes, Dr. Adrienne. You're correct. I'm okay. sorry. Um, we had one of our great friends who is also a doctor of psychology, um, a clinical psychologist, mm-hmm. and she talked about all kinds of amazing things that I think are just, one, informative and interesting, and two, hopefully helpful. Yeah, asked a lot of questions about her own issues. Mm-hmm. We got into Becca's trauma and some questions about her childhood and things, and I think Adrian was super helpful. Do you think so? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love this one. This is something that I would have listened to if it wasn't our podcast. I'm glad it is our Honestly. podcast, though. Me too. <laughs> we are very blessed to have super smart and successful friends Absolutely. who are also funny. Yes. Yeah. Gosh, She's best of both worlds. <laughs> a trifecta. So, what's our news story this week? Okay, I'll tell you. One besides the Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Which is what they should be calling it. If I you, agree. If you trademark that, give me royalties. Um, the Pope. Pope Francis appointed more women to Vatican posts previously held only by men. So women have participated as observers and consultants in in past synods. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know if that's it. Um, But only the fathers could vote on final documents. Um, So now that's changing. So women are now going to be able to vote on these issues. um, And they can vote on final documents sent to the Pope. And one of the ladies is 52, which is young for Vatican standards, which Heck I love. Yeah. We're getting young, fresh ladies in there, everybody. We're taking over the Vatican. When's going to be the first lady pope? Do you think that'll ever happen? I hope I'm alive for it. I don't know if we will be, but they say the door has opened. We'll see what else will happen in the future. Um, the church's tradition bars female priests, but, the, but Pope Francis has set up commissions to study the history of women deacons in early centuries of the Catholic Church, responding to calls by women that they will that they be allowed to take up the role today. So who knows? Maybe women will be able to be priests, which I think would just help a lot of notorious priest-like issues, if you hear what I'm saying. Oh, I'm hearing you. (laughs) A woof. (laughs) (laughs) That's something we also could have talked about today, but we didn't. So, yeah, here's a big day for ladies, right? Yes. Yes. 100%. Such a lot to take in. I was... was were you raised in religion? No. I was raised Catholic, no, so no. I know it's all the big boys club. Yeah, I know both my parents were raised Catholic, but um, they never made us go to church. So the only time I ever had to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> Matt! We're doing the best we can. Um, we're filming, we're recording from our new house, my new house today. So it's yes. not echoey. It might be a little loud. There's a lot of stuff happening here. There's a lot of people here. Um, anyway. Um, the only time I had to go to church was like when my grandma was in town because she was like, oh, you better go to church. Go. And I know my oldest sister was only baptized because my grandma made that happen. So um, me and Amber were never baptized. So if that's like a deal breaker after we die, we're screwed. 
I'm not getting in there anyways. <laughs> and right, I was baptized. Whatever. I'm going to bar the entrance. Right. But um, furthermore, should we just get into our bitching episode with our doctor friend? Absolutely. Enjoy. Enjoy. Skibbity beep up a doop a doop, dippity up a doop a bow. It's a podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so this is just the episode, remember? Because yeah, I can't yeah. ever. And I don't know how to make our podcast. We start with the episode, and then we film the intro and the outro after that. Okay. Which is that's just what we do. Mm-hmm. So, which you don't have to be in those. Okay. Unless you want to be. Uh, you know, completely open. <laughs> you should be for the outro um, or intro for your news tip, outro for the Korean word. What? She can be involved oh, with, yeah, for can. your news tip. Yeah. Just, yeah. Okay, and then yeah. she can learn our Korean word. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. fun. My accent. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard a girl from Alabama say <laughs> Korean word? Bitch, <laughs> you had. They're like, who's Korea? So, okay. <laughs> Korea? Oh, there's a Korean steakhouse down the road yeah, in exactly. Alabama. Uh, they know how to make yeah. some beef. <laughs> make, that, make that beef? You cook, what kind of animals you cook down there? <laughs> That's so funny. I won't do that. But that'll be, I'll use that yeah. accent, though. <laughs> when I introduce myself, what am I saying? We're gonna we're gonna start. We'll, ask. we'll just start. Just, yeah. just do mm-hmm. it. I'm, I'm literally natural. gonna bring up that your LinkedIn gave you no info, and then you can tell me what. what gave you, you nothing? No, you're your friends on LinkedIn. Like a, no, but I looked at your. Maybe I have to be. Yeah. But I looked, and there's like no bio or anything. I'm like, I don't know what she does. What's your experience? Oh, yes. I definitely have a bio. Yeah, okay. Maybe maybe a bio. <laughs> <laughs> definitely have a bio. I think we have to be. Fr- yeah, because I'm super private on there because it gets super weird. Very Just weird. Like it gets very yeah. weird on LinkedIn. Uh, it yeah. gets weirder yeah, sometimes than some of the other ones. <laughs> it's because the real creeps are on LinkedIn. I'm, t- I'm saying. I've gotten so many uncomfortable messages via LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. And they're aggressive, mm-hmm. like repeatedly once a week. Like, yes. Yeah, or the things for connecting and then like uh, constant thumbs up after that. What does that mean? Ew. Enough. I don't. Mm. You're welcome. Who yeah. cares it's about connecting up. on LinkedIn? Yeah. I don't know. Take your thumbs up somewhere else. Yeah. Put your thumbs up your own butt. A, just <laughs> it feels inappropriate. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let me make sure my phone's on talent. It's on yeah. talent. Oh, don't vibrate, but it should be fine. It's okay. I need this for my note. You're fine. Okay. No, you're okay. <laughs> I need a phone of friend. Ears. I know. Oh my god. Okay. Are you gonna intro? Is it on? Yeah. Just oh, yeah, her. Introduce going. her. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. All this was recorded before. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, it's Damn. fun because we like funny. the we like the banter. We like the back and forth. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So today, everyone, mm-hmm. we have a serious guest and a fun guest. Who is it? Adrienne. <laughs> yeah. It's it's our friend Adrienne. Okay. I don't know Adrienne's last name. <laughs> and that's okay. We're not gonna say it. Good. So that's fine. Uh, so it's We're perfect. Privacy issues. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't know where we are or who we are, really. Um, So anyway, Adrienne is someone I met almost a year ago, um, just randomly, because we had a mutual friend. Very random. And it was like a week before she was getting married, so that was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, She did karaoke, she did the thong song, and she knows it front to back, through and through. She gave a little show, and it was really fun. I felt like I loved her from the second I met her. (laughs) And she's the only person... That I will confidently say is funnier than me and accept that. Ooh. Okay. This is a hard act to follow. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. But she's also a freaking doctor. Yeah. Okay. And she's going to say, well, it just is oncology. But it still counts. It's still amazing. So your LinkedIn didn't tell me what you do. So will you tell me what you do? <laughs> sure. Um, we'll have to become friends on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. I'll hit you that request. For future reference. <laughs> I do have a bio on 
Um, what do I do? I am a clinical psychologist. Mm-hmm. I work for both an organization and I also work for myself. Uh-oh. So doing two drastically different things, but yeah, that's in a nutshell what I do. Sierra so hustler. Yeah, plus not. <laughs> what are the differences between working for yourself and the organization? Can you say that? Yeah. Okay. Working for yourself, when you don't work, you don't get paid. Sure. Well, right. uh, and then working for the organization, which is, why, which is why I don't ever want to go full-time like for myself, because there are mm-hmm. a lot of benefits from working for an organization. However, the differences between the two, in my private practice, I do like police psychology. Oh. And so. in my regular day-to-day I do um, intensive treatment for certain mental disorders, which we may get into more in a second, but it's uh-huh. a com- drastically, drastically different Sure. Things. Is there uh-huh. something you like better? What's your favorite? <clears throat> oh, man. Do you love your job, number one? Do you love I, it? I love both of them, okay. yes. Um, yeah, so actually, I guess at my... At my full-time, my private thing is part-time, obviously, so Mm -hmm. I do that on the weekends, but at my full-time, I am the associate clinical director, Mm -hmm. so I function fully at one of our sites, and then I function for the adult side of the other site, and then I do my um, private practice on the side. Busy. Um, Can people easily find you, or do you, like, hunt people to do for your private practice, or, like, how does that work? I am actually contracted with some specific counties and some specific, uh, like, I guess I do police and security Mm. stuff. So I do all of the pre-employment testing for certain facilities, so before anybody gets hired to either be a security guard, wherever it might be, or a police officer, or anyone who will work for the certain police department, Mm -hmm. they have to come to me for a personality evaluation to make sure that they are uh, fit to be a employee. What's a personality evaluation do? Like, what can you take us through what that is, like when you're evaluating someone? Oh my goodness. Briefly. Yes. I'm so interested. It is. It's so interesting. Um, There's not too terribly many components so there are specific evaluations that I use which I'm not going to name those because then people can maybe look them up yeah, yeah. you can't get past me <laughs> <not doing business. laughs> yeah. although like if you google them you're not going to be able to like find any of the questions but so there's two personality inventories well one specific personality inventory that I give has been around for many many years mm-hmm. most people who work in police psychology use this and then the other one is a newer measure that is specifically geared to police officers or detention deputies or or anybody within the law enforcement sector. Interesting. So the first one looks at core personality factors. Mm-hmm. So if anybody spikes or has any oddities on any of the levels of that, mm-hmm. then that is, you know, I, I take that into consideration. And then it also has like what we call a validity measure. So it'll tell me whether or not that person is answering in a way that they want me to see Mm. so we call it like socially desirable responding kind of thing like Uh you're answering the questions to try to like dupe me a little bit yeah the other one um and those are more general personality just like what are your opinions on these questions gotcha so and you're only given two answer choices and then the other one you're given four answer choices and it's still what are your opinions on these things but it is geared specifically to law enforcement mm-hmm. uh-huh. um and then i use one more because some of the people that we test aren't all going into law enforcement but they are going to work for the you know whatever sheriff's office it is but it's more of a desk job so they won't be like weapons carrying Got it. so we use another measure for them in Instead of the law enforcement one, because that the law enforcement one obviously has like guns and different questions to force and all that mm-hmm. stuff. 
that the other people who work will have a desk job more more times than not aren't going to be needing to answer those questions. Right. So there's another one that asks questions. Again, opinion. What are your opinions on these questions? And based on that, um, you know. So with recent, I guess in recent years, how police have been in the media more and more, has that changed how you have to do things? Like has psychology as a whole been like, oh, maybe we should be looking for more warning signs, if you will, or are things just kind of staying the same Um, on your side? On my side, I haven't noticed too much of a change because the measures that I'm using have been around for a very long time when it comes to these like pre-employment evaluations. Mm -hmm. So haven't noticed much of a change, but it has made me more cautious as an evaluator, if that makes sense. So like the whole like what you do hasn't changed, but how like the steps that I take and like the caution, Mm. I may do a couple extra takes and really comb through things a little bit heavier than I would normally, which is already like a pretty thorough amount, but Mm -hmm. go the extra mile before I make a recommendation because there's, there's either like, yes, you get the job or I'm recommending you. No, I'm not recommending you or I'm going to let whatever department make the decision because I can't say yes, but I can't say no. Gotcha. And then sometimes when somebody invalidates a measure, I have to basically say like, I can't make a wreck either way. So Mm -hmm. they need to maybe be reevaluated by somebody else. Oh, love that. Yeah. Do you think like total psychopaths would just successfully be able to tell you what you wanted to hear and then still make it in? Like, isn't that what a psychopath can do? Like they meld or am I thinking of something else? No, they, I mean, I feel like what people think about as far as a psychopath or sociopath is based on what the media displays in like movies and TV shows, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit different than how it exists in the real world. And the, I call it a base rate, but what's another term for it? Like the prevalence of it Mm -hmm. in the actual world is so low. Right. Yeah. They're not just walking all around like TV shows tell us. Correct. This is information we need though. What's the difference between a psychopath and sociopath? Nothing. It's just a change in the language. Uh, Really? Seriously, there's no difference? I thought there was. Yeah. No. Oh, I love that. All of them are terms that have the same thing. I actually, so psychopath, sociopath, and then antisocial personality disorder are kind of the terms. Wow. That are but it's basically just people that don't feel uh, empathy, right? Or feel remorse for things. Like they just don't have like a moral compass. Is that kind of what it is? Um, That's people with I... narcissism can also feel similarly like that. Okay. But people who are your true sociopath status, um, yeah, moral compass is more of a concern. Like, they want to truthfully, they don't really care if they hurt you or don't hurt you. Right. But they're actually some of the least likely people to ever receive services because their inside is super low and they they genuinely don't see it as an issue. So, even though... I feel like I'm clearing my throat a lot. Mm-hmm. Not, <laughs> at okay. no, not, not at all. Not at all. Oh my god. We do this a lot. Yeah, we do. Uh, what is that? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> no, we. No, um, it's okay. But. We see a lot of, like, in the population, this doesn't exist very frequently in mm-hmm. the normal day-to-day or what you would see or what you would see or what even, like, outpatient providers would see. Mm-hmm. But where I work full-time, we see the lowest prevalence rates. Like, every, anything in the DSM that when I was, like, in school and I was learning about, I was like, oh, this is a low low prevalence, low base rate. It doesn't exist that frequently. Mm-hmm. That's what we see at okay. my full-time job. But what we don't see is people who are true sociopaths because they don't actually feel as though there's an issue. Right. right. That right. makes sense. Mm-hmm. I've thought about that. Like, 
if this is how you've always been, you wouldn't really know there's a difference, right? So you wouldn't be like, I need help because this is just me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was talking I about that. to my aunt the other day about my accident mm-hmm. and um, she was asking me if I remember anything from, anything from the accident or anything and I was like, I don't. We were talking about my hair piece more mm-hmm. specifically and I was like, I don't remember anything except life with this thing. Right. I don't know why I brought this up. It was something that you were saying. <laughs> um... Something about always having lived with it. Oh, yeah. Like, this is just your life. Like, oh, you yeah. don't know another way. Is that right. Yeah. Saying? I think yeah. I was just saying, like, that's how my trauma is for me. It's like, yeah. that is just always has how it's been. Right. Well, that's a perfect segue to tell the folks um, a little background, if you'd like. <laughs> Since we're supposed to be traumatic here, you can uh, tell them about it if you want, or as much as you want to say, and then you can ask your questions to our expert. Yeah. I just always feel weird talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, better from the source. I like to gloss over a lot. Um, okay. Well... I was five and I was attacked by two Rottweilers and was traumatically injured. Yeah. Um, resulted in, I the easiest way to say it is scalped, wouldn't you think? Yeah, you were literally scalped. Yeah, so yeah. Um, Man. they drug me down like a hill, um, grabbed me around by the neck, didn't get my face, which is good, Yeah. Um, but drug me around until I stopped like physically responding to them and whatever. Um, my dance instructor found me took me up to her house and they sewed my ear back on, stuck my carotid back in my neck, life laid me to the hospital. And then the next two years, I'd say were heavily surgeries, about 40 surgeries and physical therapy. They took my left lap muscle out of my back to temporarily put into my head, which was, wow. I was like, all Whoa. of this for a temporary thing. And then, um, Seems more permanent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was That's like, can't you one. stick it back in there when you're done with it? No. Um, so physical therapy for the getting function back in my arm, cause that's a big muscle to lose. Um, and then that's that. <laughs> well, how much blood did you lose? Oh, three fourths of my blood. Yeah. Is yeah. Your, in your body? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're a five year old that lost three quarters of your blood mm-hmm. and somehow survived. Yeah. So that's pretty epic. I said I had a headache, apparently. My dad said I was trying to sit up, and I was like, I have to go get my dance pictures taken, and it's fine, I have a headache. Right. Literally, my skin is flopping around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what you're supposed to do that day, right? You're supposed to get your pictures taken. Yes, yes. I was with my older sister at the time. Um, She was seven. Like I said, I was five. She ran... We both ran from the dogs when we saw them. We didn't grow up with dogs. They just were my dance instructor's dogs. They were huge. We got scared. We ran... My sister made it inside, luckily, because she found my dance instructor to tell her that something was wrong with me, and then she found me and carried me and and put me on her very pristine white carpet. (laughs) Well, whoops. Carpets can be replaced. Okay, I'm sure that was the last concern of the moment. Who has a white carpet? Oh my goodness. It was the 90s, Yes, yes it was. Um, Yeah. So that was my trauma, and... Never got treated for it mentally. I had one therapy session when I was fresh out of the thing. Um, but the specialist in my area moved for a better opportunity, and there was no one else there that specialized in like childhood trauma issues. So I went untreated until three years ago. But I only I was going for depression, not for anything related to my accident. So I'd say pretty normal yeah. of me. 
to be, <laughs> considering but, no treatment. Well, yeah, I yeah. Mean, I'd say you've yeah. done pretty well. Um, Thanks, here, mom and dad. Here, here. <laughs> but I mean, don't you think depression could have come from that though, in some way? I mean, I don't think it's like unrelated. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> no. it's related. Well, and it's genetic as well. Like my family, sure. both sides, is struggles with it and everything, and I'm sure it stems a lot from it for sure. Um, I don't remember feeling depressed before 2017. Also, don't think I ever knew enough to think about if whether or not I was depressed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. Wow. <laughs> as, an, as an expert, what is your initial thought on hearing this story and especially hearing she never got treatment for it? Um, first thought I had was, were you in like a small town, small area? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of underserved populations, which is terrible yes mm-hmm. for the exact situations of what you just spoke about <laughs> yeah um because people have a very hard time finding services when they need them mm-hmm. or even when they don't need them but mm-hmm. might just want them at the time because yeah. mental health isn't something that you need to need right sometimes you can just want it mm-hmm. um second thing am i allowed to curse yes okay holy shit <laughs> <laughs> I mean. wow um you may be predisposed genetically mm-hmm. to depression, let's say, right? However, <laughs> <laughs> didn't help. <laughs> I would definitely say that that situation at the age of five, not only might have you had a genetic predisposition, but that was a contributing factor <laughs> to the onset of everything. Right. Yeah. So you can't really say whether or not the predisposition would have been displayed mm-hmm. without the existence of the trauma. Right. right. Nonetheless, no way for us to know that anyways. Right. Mm-hmm. However, just because people are predisposed to something doesn't always mean that it's going to express, right? right? Right. Right. But with a situation like that, at a very young age, the likelihood becomes higher. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a compounding effect. Yeah. Right. And I mean, not to bring up your sisters, but from my knowledge, they don't struggle with depression, right? No. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm sure they have lows, but not to the extent that I definitely do. Right. Right. bitches. (laughs) Damn it. So I would say with all that information... More than likely, a hundred percent. I can be a hundred percent certain. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. percent certain. Yeah. The expert opinion is that I think it sounds like they're both very connected. Yeah. yeah. Oh For God. sure. So, like, does this automatically mean I have PTSD? Do you have to like? Do you just automatically get it, or does there have to be a certain trigger? Like, how does That's PTSD work? Um, yeah. You need to be in a situation in which you have witnessed someone's life or your life being in danger. Okay. They've changed the criteria. I, I can't speak to the specific criteria right in this very moment, although, oh God, <laughs> psychologist, I maybe should be able to. No, no. Shit. Ah, it's you know okay. Enough. I know just enough you to be enough. dangerous. <laughs> I trust um, you. But I would say more than likely, you probably do have, I don't know if it would be full on diagnosis of PTSD, mm-hmm. but I would say you definitely, more than likely, yeah. have some PTSD symptoms. Cute. Mm-hmm. That could, if I were to fully assess you, oh. um, I could say, but I, I'm not. We're not doing that right now. Yeah, no. Right. Um, <laughs> nervous if you were. Right. Yeah. Let me pull up my question. I just have to yeah. have that in my back. Yeah. Right. Wow. Don't even have a backpack. Your satchel. But, yeah, my satchel. Got my psychologist satchel. Yeah. If it reference, if you heard last week, your kabum. Thank Come you. On. That was our Korean word for bag. Um, so I would say anyway. more than likely, yes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there's something else called acute stress disorder, which is a little bit different, meaning that people may have been in a traumatic situation. Let's say they witnessed something on somebody else, but it didn't directly happen to them. Maybe they might have an acute stress disorder where the symptoms dissipate after a period of time. Mm. Whereas with PTSD, it's more of a recurring thing. Gotcha. Um, so are there people that like watch someone die in front of them and don't have PTSD? Like they just know sure. how to handle it and it just doesn't affect them later on? Have well, you seen that? It's more like it wasn't directly related to them mm-hmm. or somebody that they knew. I, I mean, it, it just impactful. it depends on the situation. Yeah. Which is why they have two separate diagnoses for that, PTSD as well as acute stress disorder. Because okay. there are some things that we experience that are very normal to respond that way, let's say, for four weeks, but then we start feeling better mm-hmm. and we're able to move yeah. through it. Um, there are other things that maybe you witness happen to you or happen to somebody else, mm-hmm. but that ends up being more PTSD. Gotcha. Because right. it's more of a, I don't want to say chronic because that sounds like it can't like stop, mm-hmm. but a little bit more continuous mm-hmm. as compared to the acute stress disorder. Oh, so interesting. So interesting. So either one for you, really. And probably guess. the PTSD, but... Yeah. But, I feel like given help, if, if any of the symptoms are still coming up for you now, given that this happened when you were five, uh-huh. acute stress disorder exceed, I think it has to be, oh, should have looked this up. <laughs> How were you to know? Known. How were you I to mean, know? there's so much you got to know. Just be bopping on here, you know. <laughs> um, it's a period of time that would not extend yeah, from the age of five. Yeah. Sure. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Be, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yes. Do you ever have flashbacks of it? No, like I can't today. remember anything. I remember more emotions mm-hmm. and things feel clearer because I was told them or I have photos where that like helps remem- me remember, yeah. but I don't remember a ton on my own. I don't remember that day at all. Mm-hmm. I also don't remember anything from before the age of five, but I mean, really, who does? Yeah. But yeah, I, I do also, personally. I mm-hmm. don't remember my childhood at like even until like 10 and 11. It's a little bit fuzzy. Even high school is a little bit fuzzy for me. I don't know if like I just like to automatically black out things that don't make me happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like you're or the only person that I've ever heard say, oh yeah, I don't remember. I remember my fifth birthday. I'm like, how do you, I know. what do you remember that with? Right. I've seen pictures and albums. Yeah. And so it's like photographic memories, yeah. uh-huh. but it's not. Right. I have no memories of that, like the nice. ages of one to seven. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, yeah, and I feel as bad. And I feel yeah. like my I've older, always felt weird. My older sisters are always like, they have the best memory of all this stuff. They talk about all these things we did, and I'm like, I don't remember that at all. And maybe I mean I know they were older than me, so like that probably helps. But um, I definitely like, is there something wrong with me? Because I don't remember that at all. You have a great memory. I do. I have. I really do have a really you great memory. Have a good memory. Um, oh, shit memory. Yeah, I can remember everyone I've ever met, really. I mean... That's incredible. I can... I remember my first day of kindergarten, and I remember how it went. And I remember, like... I remember my first day, also, of, like, middle school, what I wore, my first day of high school, what I wore, and how it went. Um, but... Wow. I don't know. But but that's, like... I remember those specific things, but I don't remember, like, a story of me and my sister's going to do something. Right. And it also didn't help that Stephanie told me so many of my memories were dreams and not true. <laughs> so, I mean, who knows what's real and what's not. Can we assess Stephanie <laughs> <laughs> on the yeah, Stephanie. Well, I know she's never gonna listen, so no. it's okay. Um, yeah, my sister's interesting. Yeah, but what do you what do you what do you make of an older sister that tells you? Um, yeah, we had a brother, and he was awesome, and his name's Bernard. Um, but he died, so you're never gonna meet him. I got that one a lot. So is I that just, a true story? Yeah, my sister would say we had Bernard Karenich, and he was there. he never lived. He was not a real. Kid. Oh, he never existed. But they would tell me she'd be like, "Hey, Amber, should we tell her?" 
I don't know. So this never happened. Like right. this wasn't like a pregnancy. That... No, no, it literally nothing oh, at it? all. They just concocted that we had this brother and he was so tight. And which um, sister is this? Is this the jalapeno oldest? poppers or the other one that was at the birthday? Oh, party? The, oh the other one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and and then they'd be like, well, he's, yeah, he's real so awesome, but he died, so you're never gonna meet him. And then I'd be upset. Um, and then they'd be like, oh, that motion sensor, like, for our security system, that's mom and dad, they're always watching you. Um, it was just, like, very much, like, psychological warfare, I felt, <laughs> as a child. I mean... I mean, I know that's what older sisters do, but... She seems to have just taken it to the extreme. Yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah. I mean... She oh. told me there were sharks in her waterbed, so I couldn't go <laughs> on the waterbed. God. What? Waterbeds, wow. Waterbeds. Oh, my parents still have one because my dad's back. Mm. It's like the only way he can sleep. But Stephanie had a waterbed. My parents always had a waterbed, and then Stephanie got their waterbed. And as my dad's back got worse, I think it was like we have to go back to the waterbed. Wow. You can still buy them? Oh, frick yeah. They're out there. (laughs) And my dad says they're not as good now because they're not made in America. You know, the made in America ones were the the ones that lasted forever. Um, American made. You know? I mean, you ask an old, like a dad. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> if my dad ever slept on a waterbed, that's something he would say, but he's never. Well, I don't yeah. want to say that. Mm. Yeah, I've <laughs> never know. mentioned it. Right, right. If he's doing it, we don't know. I don't know if that's something that would come up in a mm-hmm. dad daughter combo. Hey, yeah. I slept on a waterbed once. Yes, yeah, that a, She's a good character. She's a good one. Do you find yourself like subconsciously assessing people that you meet like, like you trying always, to like pick you them up say people think that right people always say that yeah can like, you turn it off I mean I think that's a boundary that's great like turning it off yeah, instead of work turn it off yeah like you just did don't you have care. to learn that or did it feel natural to you if you're not getting paid for it do you not care mm, <laughs> that's what I always say that's the joke I always say which mm-hmm. is not kind of true I don't know if it's because of that or just because I just turn it off mm-hmm. um but yeah I've been asked that it, it can be anybody yeah people say you know what do you do and I'm like God, I don't want to tell you. I'm a librarian. <laughs> like, Love what? checking those books. <laughs> Ooh, autobiography is getting me going. But no, so I answer, and then I always get the question, oh, are you analyzing me right now? I'm like, no. no. We're just like, playing don't... a game of cornhole. Right. And I was enjoying myself, and now I have to walk away from you. Because I, right. Because you feel like I'm analyzing you. Now I'm analyzing you. Right. Like, one, don't flatter yourself, right? Yeah. It's well, like, that's how I feel. It's yeah. like when you ask me the question, are you analyzing me right now? Then it's like, oh, maybe I need to be. Yeah. Right. It's like, are you asking me? Right. Or people bring up other things. And so sometimes I, like on airplanes, uh-huh. sometimes it's best to lie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> About what you do. Very much mm-hmm. so. Holy shit. I've had some, I also had this mentor. Oh, my gosh. She was amazing. Amazing mentor. But any plane she would go on, I don't. I don't even know if they asked her what her job was, mm-hmm. but it would turn into a full therapy session. I have flown with her before. I have watched it happen before my eyes because she's such a, she's an endearing personality. Oh, you just yeah. wanted to oh, yeah. communicate with her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, anybody, they would, she would get the full story in an hour, ever, mm-hmm. start to finish, life story, anybody she was ever around. Um, which I thought was number one, fascinating, but number two, Jesus. It's like, did it's she girl, enjoy right? it? She did sometimes, sometimes yeah. not always. She also she also loved to she, to talk and communicate with people. So, but she would just get it was fascinating. I'm like, you just were sitting there with right. a 45 minute flight, and you just you already know, mm-hmm. you already childhood to adulthood. You know, <laughs> and she would tell me, and I'm like, Jesus, that's amazing. But with regards to me, I don't mind sharing what I do. It's just when people 
immediately, I guess, I don't know if it's like an insecurity thing or people like really think that we walk around every day like, oh my God. Yeah. With what laser is your vision. personality style? Let me jump. Let me investigate. <laughs> I'm going to get in there. What's wrong with you? Well, for me, I'm like, do, do any of the things that I feel are my normal behavior like triggering to a therapist where you're like, is this weird behavior? And now all of a sudden I'm looking at you differently. You know, do, do mm. people like when you're out with friends or anyone you just meet, do they ever say or do anything where you're like, oh shit, this person's that's, got some shit. That's what I was going to ask. Like if you've had someone that you thought were you were going to be friends with or something or maybe you are and then they exhibit some behavior that you're like I don't like it does that ever happen not to me personally if I I mean you guys know me I'm kind Mm -hmm. of like a one come come one come all type of a person you know I have a lot of like acquaintances but also like really good friends um I guess I don't know that I'm analyzing it from like a psychological perspective more just like my own personal preferences for people I want to associate with. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that has to do or not do. It's hard to say, though, because yeah. I went to school for like 37 years. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> You're 75. But is it you? Know, you look been, great. I know. I've been lying to Drop you all. Drop the skin care. Hey, this is a body suit. Yeah. <laughs> a skin suit that I've obtained. We're wearing her skin. <laughs> there's, a, there's a zipper on her skin. But it, it's, hard, it's hard for me to decide, decipher those, to be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. could chicken or the egg? I don't know. Like, do, if, Without my degree... Would I be? Would I have different like friendship preferences versus with it? Do right. I have different ones? I'm not certain. Yeah. I will say there are certain qualities about people that I'm like, oh my god, like you really need to work through that, and <laughs> especially when it comes to relationships. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you stop doing this to yourself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love you so much, but damn, right. yes. girl. Because you a know, woman. Excuse me. Women. <laughs> Sorry. Women, adult women, adult women. We grow hair. Yeah, We're not everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. A whole separate podcast. Uh, literally, I just to piggyback off that. I had a oh. Maverick. Shut up! It's like he's wearing bells. I, I know. <laughs> what are you doing? He just woke up, mosey on somewhere else. I can't tell if that's his color or his nails. It's both. Oh, he likes to sit in the sun. He might sit down for in a second. He's a gypsy. Yeah, he likes that sun. Matt, are you winning Candy Crush? It's Gardenscapes. Oh, sorry. And he loves that fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get the puppy. Thank you. Come on. You're so cute. Thanks, <laughs> boyfriend. Oh, my God. Um, when I talk to... I'm going to a specialist for my ovarian cysts. You're welcome for that information. <laughs> Shut up. Um, anyway, and she asked me about my facial hair because, you know, like that's a hormonal issue. Like if you have ex- excess hair. Sure. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, sometimes I do like the razor on my face because I gotta, and she asked how often I was doing that. And when I told her, she was like, yeah, that definitely sounds like a hormonal problem. <laughs> so I was like, I knew what? it. Um, I guess having to shave your face once a week isn't normal for a woman. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I have an excessive amount of facial hair as well. It's blonde. Mm. Yeah, I was but like, like, but I'm super, but I also get the really aggressive chin hair. Totally at least once a week. And just all of like my acne and everything else. It was just like, yeah, we need some help. One thing I heard that my mom told me actually, to my dad's a physician, my mom is the nurse office manager they work together. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> Love it. But she told me once when I was using the same like makeup pad over and over and over again, yeah. that I need to change those like almost weekly mm-hmm. if you're using them because yeah. it holds or the bacteria. Cleaner. And mm-hmm. then I was thinking about, because I do the microblading things, those like razor things for the face. Yeah. Um, 
Then I started thinking about those, and maybe yeah, we don't clean those. I don't. Yeah, I was yeah. like, maybe I need to be putting like alcohol on that because mm-hmm. you can reuse them, just like a leg razor. Yeah, but the facial area is so much more sensitive than mm-hmm. the leg area. Yeah. Oh yeah, I always just buy new ones because I'm too lazy to clean them, and I'm like, yeah, they, they only last so long. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I cleaned my beauty blender though. <laughs> oh, I know. That's why I'm sitting here. I'm like, God, I'm so angry at my skin. Meanwhile, I'm using the same sponge for the past two months. No one. That's not helping. Okay. Um, I always forget as frequently as I'm putting like actual makeup on. I'm just oh, like yeah. uh, these days, no, nah, not much. Coronavirus stopped my makeup use mm-hmm. almost entirely. Stopped my money. pants wearing use. It I stopped wish. my nails getting done. It's a bummer. I did finally cut my nails though. I had like coke pinkies. I always I don't do. Know how you do that. Those nails just grow. I've never done coke before, but my pinky nails look like I have. Um, great nails. So I have to cut them. Yeah, I address those. Mm. Anyway, back on topic. Do you have any other questions? Oh, I wanted to ask you about dissociation. Mm. What do you know about it? Explain it. Goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us What do I know about it in a nutshell? Um, It is a real thing. Can you define it for our listeners? Mm -hmm. The three of you out there? The three. The three of us here. The other ones are here. They're hearing it. Yeah, they'll hear it later. (laughs) I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Can I define it? Mm-hmm. Can I recall the exact definition for it? No, not okay. right now, although I could Google it and read it. Um, yeah, give it a goog. Give it a goog. Um, but what it is, pretty much you are disconnecting from a situation that you may be remembering or it could be a memory, it could be anything, it could be somebody's talking and something triggers a memory from a trauma and you disconnect, almost like a, I don't want to call it like a trance state because that sounds like super like science weirdy mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. <laughs> but Sci-fi. like you just feel disconnected mm-hmm. and you almost go into yourself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the exact definition, no, I feel like I have to look it up. No, you're fine. No, I just no, feel like I myself reason. experienced this and I didn't know if this was the correct term to apply no. to what I think I do. I remember around the holidays, I was yes. struggling really, really terribly. It, oh, is that on. when you feel, just for context, like spacey, when you explain it that way? Yes. Like you don't feel like you're present? Right. Is that yeah. what that kind of relates to? Correct. Yeah. So the the literal Google definition, if I don't have my Webster's dictionary. <laughs> um, but Google says the... The specific definition, which is exactly what I said just in like probably more words than this, disconnection and lack of continuity between thoughts, memories, surroundings, actions, and identity. Okay. So you just feel disconnected. Like almost some people describe it in our specific program as like they are looking over the situation. Like an out-of-body experience. Sometimes, depending on what's happening. Um, Other people, you know, you can be talking to them. And they're just not following. Yeah. That is because 100% they're, <laughs> me. They're in their own head. Now, there's a distinction, though. A lot of people can also do that and have ADHD. Okay. Uh-huh. But people who have experienced, like, traumatic experiences that sometimes maybe just go back into themselves. Who knows what? It could be a sound. It could be a smell. It could be a picture. It could be a statement. It could be a word mm-hmm. that just takes you back there. Um, look at that, look at that, <laughs> that was a really crest. <laughs> so does it have to be connected to the trauma that the person has experienced, though? Not necessarily the specific instance. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could just be... It could be anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. But typically dissociation is associated with trauma. Mm-hmm. People aren't really 
going to dissociate, and I say that very loosely, mm-hmm. it is most commonly associated with those who have had or been exposed to or directly experienced a traumatic event. Yeah, I can't relate to that. <laughs> Not saying I've never had traumatic no, things funny. happen. I just, I have never experienced that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, before Christmas time, I was at Holly's house with you, Marla, and we were making Christmas candies and stuff. And that was a night I was really struggling to stay present. Like, Marla was looking right at me. She was staring right at me and talking to me. And I was hearing it. And yet I wasn't at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're going to have to... I just felt like mentally yanked back and forth that mm-hmm. night. It was really bad. Like unless I was speaking, I didn't feel present in the situation. And when I like go the other way, I just kind of think about it feels real. It feels like I'm just thinking about literally everything else and everything that's currently around me just like becomes background noise. It's very weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, is that like, like cloudy. Is, is that It sounds like it's very similar. Similar-ish? If not it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And what do you do for people that have that? Like, is there a treatment for that or Mm -hmm. how do you work with them? Yeah. Um, Mindfulness is one of the top ones, grounding techniques. So Mm -hmm. if that ever happens again, uh, we do five, four, three, two, one. So with all the senses, what are five things you see, four things you smell, three things you hear and use the room. Okay. Um, Walking while doing that is also helpful. Go downstairs, you know, go outside, use the environment. Um, A lot of people do five things you hear, five, four things you see. But I do five of all the senses, four of all the senses. It depends on how bad the, how difficult it is to bring you back. Gotcha. Mm. So, but for some people, that just takes longer Mm -hmm. than if you do one sense for every number. Right, right. And you can obviously start over, um, but make sure you're moving and doing that. There's also rainbow grounding. So you do Roji Biv, right? The colors in the rainbow. Everything that you see. Um, And you want to say it out loud. Got it. Deep breathing is a good way to do that. Um, A body scan is also a good way. Uh So, you know, making sure that you're just paying attention to everything that your body is feeling or touching and just check in with each literal Mm. body part. I love this. That's all the things I like to do. Yeah. But it's pretty much grounding skills is what you would use. Those are just some specific ones Mm -hmm. that we use. Um, There's also some DBT strategies. Some what? Dialectical behavioral therapy strategies. Oh. Mm. DBT. I should have. Huh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so interesting, though. Yeah, I love that. And do you feel like everyone says that they're empathetic, but they're really not? Do you think that's a big one? Because I feel like we're always like, I mean, I truly do believe, but we looked it up that it's only like 1% to 3% of people are actually truly that sort of empath, able to yeah, be an actual empath that can absorb other people's feelings. I just think I have a really good understanding of other people's feelings, mm-hmm. and sometimes I do feel their pain. But I don't know if like I'm a true right. empath like that. Hmm. I think that thoughts. word gets thrown around. Empath, interesting. Empathy, sympathy, mm-hmm. two separate things. Uh-huh. Yes. So I can feel bad for you. I can relate. I can you know hear you, validate, understand, uh-huh. while still managing my own mm-hmm. things. Sympathy. What's yours is mine, and mine is yours. You mean empathy is yours is mine? No. Oh, sympathy is yours is mine. Correct. Okay. So, like, I feel bad. For, like, it all just, like, mm-hmm. everything is connected. Empathy is, wow. Like, so, as a, as a like, therapist to client type of a thing, if you feel sympathy for your patients, that's almost crossing a line. Oh, because you're getting emotionally involved. Correct. Then. But if you feel empathy. Like, your emotions are my emotions. My emotions are your emotions. Mm. We're so connected. That's sympathy. Okay. Empathy is different. Mm-hmm. Empathy is I can feel for you and I can understand your situation and I can be there while still remaining 
disconnected. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it should be. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's interesting. And the term empath, I have to, what is that from? I don't know. That's, that's what a word say. I've always heard. It's just like the noun version of being empathetic. Like you're an empath. You're someone who can connect well to your own emotions. A person with the paranormal ability to apprehend the mental or emotional state of another individual. Okay, so that's empathy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the Google definition, empathy is when you can experience someone's feelings, but they are not your own, right? Right. You understand and you can experience them. Mm -hmm. But sympathy means understanding the suffering. So it goes a little deeper than that. Oh, Got it. Okay. So it like evolves that connectedness piece. Interesting. Like that when you hear people say like, oh my gosh, I want to do psychology because I've had X, Y, Z happen to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. The likelihood that they're going to experience sympathy because they understand the suffering. Yeah. Because they've been through the exact same thing is high. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Those aren't always the best people to be in mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you have to be, I was always told, be a, um, a non-stick skillet. Oh, <laughs> I love that. When that yeah. egg is in your skillet, uh-huh. you take care of it, you cook it, you make it you, you make it good, uh-huh. but then it slides right off. Yeah. Because without that, if you have a non-stick skillet and you're a therapist, and that's where the sympathy piece would come in, because it's like, oh my gosh, I know what that's like, like I've been there, mm-hmm. right? And now mm-hmm. granted, obviously there's some things that I've talked about with people where mm-hmm. I've been there. Yeah. But... I'm very emotionally disconnected myself personally. (laughs) (laughs) But if that was the case for me, every single time I talk to somebody doing individual therapy, there's no way. Right. It builds and builds and builds. It gets gunk in your skillet. Yeah. And you're not able to effectively put another new egg in. Yeah. It's never going to turn out right. So that was the best advice I ever got. But that, mm-hmm. there is a difference between empathy and sympathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I like that distinction. And that's why I also know I would never be able to do that because I would go home and cry about whatever everyone's told me that day. Oh, really? Or I would cry with them. Like, it, if someone cries in front of me, I'm crying. You know, like, that's just it. I can't, I cannot disconnect from when, when people are upset or something bad happens to somebody. You know they, yeah. they say a sympathetic crier? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So that sympathy yeah. is suffering, so S&S. Mm-hmm. Empathy is emotion, E&E. Ooh, that's that's a good way to remember it. Yeah, that little mnemonic device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love mnemonics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Interesting. I love that. I do, too. Do you feel like you learned something? Absolutely. Today? Me, too. <laughs> Okay, I have maybe a couple more trendy questions. Yeah, Unless yeah. you have anything else? No. Okay. I feel... <laughs> Real good? I feel like I don't need a little saying, trending. <laughs> Hashtag trending. <laughs> um, okay, let me see here. Yeah, one of my questions was, you know, everyone says that the, the youth today... The youths. The, the youths, <laughs> if you will. Um, my milk. Okay. We are more fucked up today not that I guess we're youths we're adults now we're youths. but I feel young um that they're more fucked up today than ever do you really agree with that do you think technology is really messing people up like young kids do you think it's harder to be a kid now than it was back in the day or are we just assholes because yeah. generally I do think we just always think that our generation is is the hardest one everyone says that right that they have it the worst do you really think that what do you think? There's like four questions. In there. yeah, there's a lot of questions. <laughs> and choose the answer whichever one you want. Let me start with the technology one. Yeah. Um, I do feel like technology, I can't say that it's harming because I know that's not the case for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it is doing is changing the way we communicate from a very, very young age. Yeah. 
when I was young, the way I had to communicate with somebody was either in person or via the cord phone. Yeah, exactly. I miss those yeah. days. Yeah. yeah, like dial-up internet. Oh, my dad's on the internet. Can't, can't make call. call. Yep. Can't communicate with shit. Yeah, yeah. So, to now, kids, regardless of the age, have iPads. They have iPhones. They have Android phones. I don't give a shit what it is. Yeah, they got it. <laughs> there's all the types of phones. Um, although I really dislike when there's a green <laughs> Bubble oh. on my iPhone chat. Like God, that feels foreign. Ugh. None. Mm-hmm. Sorry, off track. Back to the point. No. I do feel like it is changing the way people communicate, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to middle school and high school, when those are your crucial years to figure out how to interpersonally interact with other human beings, right. particularly in relationships. So sending a text to break up versus having to do it in person. Yes. Or even a note that you pass in class. Mm-hmm. Right. Or put in someone's locker. That's still more brave than a text yeah, or absolutely. an email. Mm-hmm. So I think technology is changing the way people communicate. And it's not as risky anymore. It's more safe. Yeah. So it, it's tricky. I mean, it's very, very tricky. And then what was the other part of that question? There's like fourfold. It's like I was an origami. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Making a paper crane. Damn. Um, that was the beak. Okay, what's next? Yeah, do you think, okay, do you think kids have it harder today than ever before? As With people say. mental illness? I would just say. In general? Yeah, I do think, do you think kids today are really more messed up mentally than they were once before because of all these crazy outside factors they have now? Yeah. As people say. I think there are a lot of different challenges now mm-hmm. as compared to when we were younger. Yeah. But I think the difficulty comes from some of what is technology mm-hmm. and how people, the kids, it's, you know, you don't have to face anything necessarily. You use your phone or the email or whatever it might be. I don't even know if kids use email, but we just use text. <laughs> like, WhatsApp, I've heard that used a lot with the teens. I'm like, how do you even know about kids that? these days. I just learned about that half three years ago. Yeah. 15. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily more like messed up, but I think the challenges now are exponentially different than the challenges we had. Yeah. Um, and I know one thing we've noticed, like given the COVID-19 pandemic, that has just spiked mm-hmm. mental health concerns. Yeah. Because what was normal and what was comfortable and stable is now either unstable or just completely not within the norm. Mm-hmm. And so people are seeking services, and I can speak to this from my full-time position. We have an exponentially more amount of people reaching out for services as compared to previous years. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's directly related to COVID. Yeah. There's really no distractions now. Mm-hmm. You can't really do anything unless you live in the state of Florida. We're wide open. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Just said the state. That's no, a large state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've mentioned Florida. That's okay. Okay. Tip to toe. We yeah. can be anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a big state. It's a long, I mean, it takes nine it's hours to drive out of it. So, but with regardless of our state, still, you know, even within that, people have lost jobs. Things have changed. Companies have gone under, downsized, right? So yeah. everybody, more people now than ever have been reaching out for services. Right. Which is good, but also... It's because of a very negative mm-hmm. event that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kids, I've, kids just have different challenges now. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know that mental health is dif- different now than it was then. I'm sorry. It just flew right out of there. My earbud just jumped, jumped right out of her ear. Like, jumped out of done ear. Um, it's almost like it just paused itself. Right it said you're done. It just squeezed itself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, do you think everyone's issues really stem from childhood? Is mm-hmm. everything just issues from childhood? No. Okay. Disagree. <laughs> Disagree. Okay. I feel like that is a... It's a big one though, right? What happens in childhood, like cradle to grave type of thing. Mm-hmm. So like what happens when you're younger is more than likely going to impact how you act as an, an old as an older adult or as an adult whatever um, but it doesn't mean that we have to fix what happened here or process through what happened here to fix what's happening here mm. so one of the things that present to future is what we focus on mm-hmm. like in my day-to-day normal position uh-huh. we don't focus on this so regardless of except for the trauma stuff okay that's obviously different yeah but for other things that have happened, um, we really focus on, all right, functionality. Mm-hmm. How are you not functioning and how can we make you functional? Doesn't matter from our perspective about what happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, you can go to an outpatient therapist and process through that all you want, mm-hmm. but you can't change those things. Right. You can't. Mm-hmm. Those things have happened and now you are here. Mm-hmm. Right? So how are we going to make you functional to get to here? I like that. Mm-hmm. I so. like that too. I was like, I feel like I'm always thinking back. I'm like, I know exactly why I am the way I am, and I'll tell you why. Right. It's because this thing happened in 1999, <laughs> and, and now it makes sense as to why I have always behaved this way because of these events. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always like tying it back, but it's like, yeah, that doesn't make me stop doing those things. I have to try to stop doing those Correct. things now. Yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, this happened to me. I know why I'm acting. I why I'm acting the way I'm acting now. Yeah. What do I need to change? What do I need to do differently mm-hmm. moving forward? Right. Because this situation's already happened. There's no, yeah. there's literally no way to change the past. Right. Yeah. So it's helpful sometimes, especially for trauma, to process through that because a lot of those memories are. What was the original question? Um, Our kids' does everything, holes. Yeah, does, everything, <laughs> does everything stem from childhood? No. Like your biggest issues? Though? I wouldn't say so. Okay. No. I think a lot of people have perfect childhoods and then they have something happen to them as an adult. Mm-hmm. But regardless, it's like, let's take the present. Figure out how you're not functioning now. Mm-hmm. The why doesn't really matter. Right. In a lot of instances, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And the why can get a lot of people stuck. He is yeah. thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> he is... Maverick, have you not had a sip to drink all day? This is the thirstiest dog. God, his it's, body's full of water now. It's dripping down. Yeah. His legs are so small. Amazing. I think finding out the why can Ooh. be helpful. Maybe like, okay, I get it. Like, this is where it's come from. Mm-hmm. But like you said, what's the point? Because, right. okay, now you know. Now what? Well, for people yeah. who don't understand how they got here. Yeah. Yes. For people that already know, like, the specific instance or instances that happened, and then they got here, with the exception of trauma, I have to keep saying that, because mm-hmm. it's not the same for individuals who have specific traumas that they need to work through. Um, hi, Maverick. <laughs> um, podcasting at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything's at home. But the studio's closed. <laughs> yeah, the studio's in, in work. It's in uh, progress, working, construction. In construction. In construction. <laughs> so anyways, I do, I do feel like... but. E- Understanding the why most people already understand that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they choose at times to get kind of stuck in rehashing what happened here, which mm-hmm. we call rumination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which prevents you from going forward. Right. So I do that for sure. Um, let's see. What's the most frustrating thing about being a psychologist? What's your biggest pet peeve? 
Oh my. <laughs> um, my biggest pet peeve about being a psychologist. Goodness. Um, I'm trying to draw on my experiences. So thinking about the biggest pet peeve at my current full-time job, I would say that insurance companies are crooks. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I love that. They're crooks. Because yeah. um, uh-huh. you have a lot of, particularly in my the place that I work, we do accept insurance. Um, but a lot of people, number one, first problem people don't understand their own insurance plans i'm guilty of this myself i have no freaking idea so number one they don't understand their own insurance plans number two they get to us and the insurance tells them one thing and then we have to tell them another thing because the person on the end of their line is who knows who they are and they're not giving the accurate information Mm -hmm. number three they cut them off it's like oh are you five days is that not enough for you or (laughs) you needed more than that that's confusing (laughs) Um, so I think that's the most frustrating thing from my perspective currently. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Insurance didn't cover my hairpiece. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I think that they're like, this is elective, it's cosmetic. I'm like, my head I was ripped open. I don't yeah. have hair and they're How not medical or behavioral health. Med- Must have been medical, medical. back then. Yeah. yeah. I would say... Because back then, yeah. it was pretty much only medical. Yeah. But now you have, like, medical, behavioral health. You have all the different subsets. Right. right. I would try again. I mean, if people Honestly. are getting their boob jobs covered under insurance because there's, like, a small cosmetic issue or getting breast reductions also because maybe their back is hurting, mm-hmm. like, you should be able to get your freaking hairpiece covered. I remember how angry my parents were. I remember feeling angry when they told me. And they're like, we can do this, but we're going to have to figure out something else because insurance just won't cover it. Yeah. And I'm like, sucks. do you want to add to my trauma? That's what I think that really pissed me off. I was like, people just want to add to this all of a sudden? Yeah. yeah. I think that's huge. I mean, as a... Cute. Especially a girl with no hair. A young girl. in formative years. Yeah, like that's the prime time of everyone sucks anyway. Mm. And then add on that. Like, yeah, it was brutal. As you said, it was brutal for you being in school. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. Bullied, that, that I can't remember. Yeah. Also, probably another reason why I like to block out my schooling. Yeah, because people are assholes. Well, and I think all that connected to the past of which you don't remember, but yet you had like real-time experiences that were directly connected to a trauma that you don't remember. Right. And it's like, what? Yeah. yeah. It's like, you're like, all this shit is happening for something I can't even tell you about. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, that's just not fair. Yeah, it's like my whole life has just been this. It took me a long time. I think 2017, I was like, enough of like making it though my identity. Like there's just no... Denying the fact that something's always going to connect back to it. It's the way of the world. I'm always going to have to be wearing a hairpiece because of this, you know, but yeah. I don't have to make it about me or like make it who I am. Right. Yeah. Or you think about it like a puzzle. Yeah. It's a piece. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Right. But you right. have a bunch of other pieces. But the unfortunate thing about a lot of mental health concerns is that that piece feels like the whole puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you have to like expand Mm -hmm. and especially Mm -hmm. your hair is a daily reminder of that Mm -hmm. because you have to attend to your hair every day you can't just not look at your hair or brush it or whatever like that is it may seem small to some people that don't get it Mm -hmm. but yeah think about it you know every single day you're like this is why I have this stupid fucking hair piece because of this thing that happened to me that I can't remember I have have annual breakdowns about different parts Um, I'll have an annual breakdown about my hair piece and my head and all of that other bullshit and then I'll have an annual breakdown on my skin graft and my scars and feeling really uncomfortable 
any other day, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. And then once once a year, it just gets too overwhelming. And I'm mm-hmm. like, enough! And you know what else I'm sick of while we're on that topic? It's just people that ask people, what's that scar from? Or why do you that look like that? That bothers you? Yes. I said when we went to the beach that one time, because Becca has some physical scars only like around her butt from her skin graft, uh-huh. okay? And that guy asked if like you were in a motorcycle accident oh, or something. Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, what? I was literally like, can I go off on this guy? And I was like, it's fine. And she's like, it's always fine. I'm like, it's not fine because that's rude. Like, I would never go up to somebody and ask them like, oh yeah, what's with that big thing on your face that obviously was from something crazy? Okay. I I have mixed emotions. Mm -hmm. I would rather somebody say what's going on than hear them talk about it behind because that's always what I heard. People were never coming up and asking me Mm -hmm. what was wrong. They were just more than happy to make fun of me in the lunch line like I would prefer to be asked however it was funny when he was like so what's going on like what happened here and I was like oh I was attacked and you know this is just resulting injury he goes oh oh, I thought you were in a motorcycle accident I was like so my trauma all of a sudden ranks below motorcycle oh cool no big wow that's way better than what I was thinking it was a road rash don't care Uh, yeah 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 it's funny I I just don't like it I don't appreciate it yeah in general you know it's not that it's the same but when people are like why do you walk like that? Because I'm pigeon-toed. Yeah. I don't know. Mind your business. Like, sometimes I want to be like, because I have cancer. That's why. I make them feel real bad about it. You know? Like, this is just who I am. Yeah. You know? And just, especially big, physical, obvious scarring. Uh-huh. It just blows my mind that people are that ballsy to say something about it. I was a lot braver when I was younger, apparently. Another story I was told about a memory was somebody was asking Kylie and I, like, what happened? You know, I think she, my mom said we were at a fair. We were in line. And some kid asked me about something or was poking fun or whatever. And um, I just looked at them and said, it's none of your business. And turned back around. I was like, I'm spunky when I'm five. Like, (laughs) where does that go? Why does that get beat out of us? Right. Yeah. (laughs) You're much braver. Oh, my God. When I was a kid, yeah, I did an annual talent show. I sang in front of my whole school every year. Second through fifth grade, I got on that stage and sang alone. You know, third grade was 9-11, so I sang the Star Spangled Banner. And I wore an an American flag bandana on my head. And I did that. I would never today. Today, I'd have to be inebriated to do something like that yeah so yeah you lose your bravery as you get older i think a little bit like i got more really i don't know what happened to me i used to be very shy really yeah Yeah. really Mm. came into yourself i guess i did i like that i blossomed do you feel like you ever have to not be yourself because you're a psychologist no you just are always cool not me personally yeah i feel like i am who i am and the people who hired me know who I am. Uh-huh. I would never do anything to disrespect that. Like, obviously, why I didn't say, like, where I work. Uh-huh. Um, and I've done my best to curb my cussing. <laughs> why? I'm going to use the S word and the D word here. <laughs> the damn word. The damn word. the other D word. The damn. What's the other one? Dick? Dick. Oh. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we knew. <laughs> um, dentist. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hate I those think of any dentists. <laughs> but, um, no, I... I really don't. I don't know. As I've gotten older, I, I give less Fs. Yeah. Um, but I still give a lot of Fs about a lot of things. You're more selective with the Fs you're giving. They're yeah. more they're re- uh, relevant Fs yeah. to be giving. So, oh, go ahead. No. no, you go. I was asking, um, are, are there any like types of clients or disorders you don't want to like to deal with or mm-hmm. anything like clients you just are like, this is not either in my wheelhouse or I don't feel comfortable? Love it. Let me just do the most difficult type of patient to work with. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily have anybody that I wouldn't work with or mm-hmm. that I feel like is not within a wheelhouse that I could give or be within my scope of practice, basically, based sure. on the types of clients I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, 
personality disorders, individuals who struggle with personality disorders, some of the ones that you guys probably have heard, dependent personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder. Mm. Personality disorders in general are very complicated. Um, not that they can't be treated, but it takes a long time. Personality is developed at an early age right. through a combination of genes and environment. You've all heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the way you engage in a specific environment might be adaptive or helpful, but now you're in a new environment, now mm-hmm. you're in another environment, and you're still behaving the same way, Yeah, which is ineffective. Mm-hmm. You're losing people, you're not able to make friends, you're losing relationships, relationships are very complicated and difficult for you. I find those individuals particularly difficult to work with um, given some of the challenges that exist. Mm-hmm. So, and because it requires a, a long stretch of consistent treatment and it involves, like years. yes, yeah, it involves like the evidence-based treatment for those who struggle with borderline personality disorder is a year long. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, mm-hmm. and that's with skills groups and that's with individual therapy also as a weekly thing. Wow. Yeah. Um, but it's just very complicated, but People who have personality disorders would not choose to behave the way they behave. So you have to really dig deep and find your empathy Mm -hmm. at times to understand Mm -hmm. that. I know working with those individuals is very frustrating for some providers because it can feel like you're not getting anywhere. And truthfully, you aren't because it takes a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, You really have to have a lot of patience and a lot of empathy to understand that they would never choose to behave the way that they're behaving, maybe. Right. Right. Okay, so I see my therapist probably every three weeks-ish, every two or three weeks, just someone to talk to, you know. Anyway, I like him, but I, he's someone that is very, like, super casual. Like, he'll cuss and we'll, like, go back and forth and he'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, fuck that, whatever. Like, from your standpoint, is that unprofessional or is it just maybe he's just more laid back in that sense? Like, I don't know. I just always wondered, like, is that normal? Because I've never felt like I was in a cold, like, serious environment when I talked to him. Um, it just always feels more like a fun conversation, I guess. Mm-hmm. But that's also, I mean, I'm not going in with like crazy stuff. But I don't know. I just would like your professional opinion on that. I will say the one thing about therapy, you have to like your therapist. Yeah. You have to feel like it's a conversation. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to feel cold and clinical. Yeah. So that's a good thing. You there. don't. Yeah. I think it's. I think it is a. What I will say about that, when I used to do individual therapy, if my clients cussed, I would cuss. Okay, yeah. Because you're like, I can. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, if I wasn't a cusser, which is like, that's silly. <laughs> <laughs> choose that path. I'm just kidding. I know there's reasons. But I, if my client would cuss, I would cuss. Yeah. And I would allow myself to behave mm-hmm. in parallel to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you are in therapy, it is a relationship. If you fucking hate your therapist what's going to happen you're never going to go back Mm -hmm. that's all it is it doesn't matter what we know what we don't know all therapy is is a two-way mirror Mm -hmm. to take what you say to us and then put it back on you that's all we're doing right but you're hearing it in a different way because we are a third party we're Mm -hmm. not in your life we don't know your friends we don't know your relationship we don't know your your dogs your cats whatever Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we don't know anything about you really Mm -hmm. except what we get in a biopsychosocial which is still the broad brushstrokes of your past basically Mm -hmm. right um, so it is just a relationship. If you don't feel like it is a conversation like that where you also feel heard, mm-hmm. then what do you have? 
Right, right. Nothing. Mm-hmm. So my biggest thing for people, and I, I mean, obviously I have a lot of people in mental health that I'm, that I associate with and I know, and I know some people that are so cold and clinical. And I also know that they have a high turnover rate yeah. for their clients mm-hmm. because you want to feel connected. Right. You know, and that, that was the one feedback when I was doing individual therapy that I always got was that I just felt like it was, it was a conversation that I learned so much about myself. I never did anything specifically. Maybe I give them some skills for certain things here and there, but for outpatient therapy, for somebody who sees somebody once every three weeks, Mm -hmm. that's what we call the walking well, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Who just need to talk things out with somebody that's a third party. That's the other problem with mental health. Everybody goes to the dentist every six months. Mm -hmm. Once every six months, we have our teeth checked. We go to the medical doctor, you know, average once a year. Yeah. Go to the gyno once a year, right? Have that thing looked at. Yeah. Enough. <laughs> what an awkward thing that is. But like we do all that stuff. We get our hair cut once every three months, right? right we yeah. take care of ourselves. But when it comes to mental health, everybody's under the, the predisposition that like we have to need it then. Right. So right. At the wrong. point when you need mental health therapy, it could be too late. Yeah. yeah. We should be doing that on, even if it was just a yearly basis. Uh-huh. Yeah. Seeing somebody, having a mental health checkup. Mm-hmm. People, and this is because of the stigma, which kind of goes into a whole other possible thing, but... People assume that needing mental health is because there's like a deficit or something bad happened or whatever. But like, no. Like, I don't go to the dentist when my teeth are freaking hurting. Right. I go to just have them clean them off. Maintain them. Correct. But nobody does that for their brain. And it's because there was a stigma that was started early, early on when it came to mental health in general. Yeah. Um, But it's kind of sad. Yeah. Right? People go to marital therapy as like a last resort. Yeah, because someone should in. As, a, as somebody who has done many, many couples therapy sessions with married people and also unmarried people, which is also an interesting thing because at that point I was an unmarried person doing couples therapy, <laughs> is they have a very specific set of skills. <laughs> I can help you regardless of my own experiences. Right, yeah. But people go to marital therapy when it's too late. Yeah. So sometimes the goal of a marital therapist is actually to help them break up successfully. Yeah. Because at some points that's all that's left. Right. Yeah. So, so to help them break sense. up amicably and sometimes to help them continue together. Yeah. Right. Most people seek out marital therapy when it's like so far gone mm-hmm. that there's no way anybody with, I don't care what your skill set is, could help. Right. right. Yeah. So. That's true. I mean, I I never went, I went because when my ex-fiance was like, I know you just bought a wedding dress 24 hours ago, but I actually want to have sex with everyone that's not you and I'm never going to be happy with just you. And I was like, cool, I should propose. Right? Like that was a huge earth shattering like, Becca was there, ter- terrible day of my life, you know? Mm, and yeah. so I was like, okay, well, I need a third part. I need somebody who's going to, like, can I work through this? I'm like, at this point, I've already sent out save the dates. I feel like I need to go through with this or I'm embarrassed, you know, yeah. especially because I've already been divorced before. So now I'm sitting there, like, what do I do? And uh, we found this lady. I, like, I went to this woman, and she was like, well, he didn't cheat on you. And I was like... Okay, I was like, well, that one that I know of, or two that he's not like he's admitting, not admitting. I mean, so I was like, okay, he would. She was just totally taking his side, which I thought was kind of odd. I'm like, I, I didn't want to feel like it, and I didn't want her to take my side either. It was just like, how do we talk through this? Is this possible? What should I do? You know, like that's. So we went together, and she was just like, yeah, I didn't cheat on you, and of course that was the worst thing because you and we, him were together in the session. Yeah, we went together, and then so of course he's like. Yeah, Marla, I didn't cheat on you. Like, of course, he used that. Like, at least, yeah, at least I told you. That's basically what she said was at least he was honest with you. And I was like, 
okay Mm. I was like but I disagree and I knew that was wrong I was Mm. like I do not buy this and she just seemed super lazy and weird and I was like enough so I was like so I'm gonna find a guy now I'm gonna find a guy because again maybe if this is something where he is somehow right and I'm just not seeing it like maybe the guy will get it so I took him to the guy that I see now and he was just kind of like uh he's like if you guys are fundamentally different in this way it's not going to work He's like, if you see yourself being able to work through this and get over the fact that he feels that way, Mm -hmm. then okay. And he's like, and you, you know, if you cannot compromise or figure this out, you know, like it's not going to work. And I was like, exactly. Like, that's what I needed to hear. We are fundamentally different people at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be okay with carrying your child while you're out banging whoever or after that, allowing you to bang people that are not me. Like, that just wasn't, you yeah. know, if that's what you wanted, you should. He's like, what, I should have said that on our first date? Oh, and I said, yes. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you know what? There are people out there. And I, tried, I said this exact thing to him. There are people out there that jive with that. There are people out there that want multiple partners. And you mm-hmm. could have found that person. And that was not me. And it was never going to be me because right. you never brought it up, you know? So... After all those conversations, I was just like, you know what? I can't do this. And then I just continued to see him. But yeah, at that point, me and Paul were already over. It was just like, I just needed somebody else to confirm that so I could safely be like, you know what? Yeah, this isn't going to work for me. And then I continued. I still see him to this day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's always The therapist, not Paul. Yeah, the the therapist. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) To be clear. Yeah, just to be clear. Well, that first woman. Yeah. Can you believe it? I can actually, Mm -hmm. um, which is disgusting. But you're, you should always attempt to be unbiased yeah. in a couple's session, even if you feel drawn to one or the other. Mm-hmm. That is why also you should never see, as an entity, the couple's one or the other separately. Uh-huh. Unless you see both of them individually and both of them as a couple. Yeah. But yet you, you, it's clear that when you see both of them separately, mm-hmm. that you relay any information that may be a secret. Mm-hmm. Together in the couple mm-hmm. sessions, sure. there can't be any secrets. But a yeah. lot of people don't do it that way. Yeah. And what she did was just completely invalidating and terrible. And you should never be an invalidating therapist because that's yeah. like the antithesis of like what we're fucking doing. Right? Yeah. She was like, you know, most people I see the cheating's already happened. She's like, you know, if it hasn't happened, and acting like it was like some great again, like he should have been celebrated. And that's the thing, he had the attitude that yeah. I should have celebrated him because he was honest with me. I'm like, oh yeah. I was like, yeah, let me go get you an award. I remember I said that. I was like, let's go get you a plaque. Let's go call the news. Because you were honest today after almost three years. Sorry, I'm not boasting you for that. I do not praise you for that. Yeah, I'm glad you told me before we got married, but I still don't think you're some sort of chariot. And then for her to be like, oh, yeah, at least you didn't cheat. I was like, you motherfucker. I was like, not yet. I mean, not yet, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, literally saying, not yet. Obviously, she should have said that. I was like, if he didn't do it, which I, I do believe he didn't, and I, I think do you too. agree. Mm-hmm. Becca knew him well, as also. I don't think he did, but I think that he really, really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Had someone in mind was maybe thinking about which it, which is why he said it. And but then he finally cracked and was like, "All right, I gotta say this." So, mm. yeah. Regardless if he had or hadn't, he wanted to. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Anything else? (laughs) No, I love this. I asked everything I wanted to ask. How was it for you? The podcast? Yes. Being a guest? Yes. Yeah. It's kind of fun, right? It's very fun. Yeah. Um, I was a little nervous at first. 
Um, no. No. Oh, that's happen? cool. Everybody says that when I present. I present it to hundreds of people, and they're like, oh, you didn't seem nervous. I'm like, I was for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Great actor. You have to poop the yeah. whole time, but it's you're not inside. lying. <laughs> yeah. It's on the inside, not yeah. on the outside, right? <laughs> no, it was great. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about therapy. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about, like, psychologists. What do we do? Yeah. What do we mm-hmm. not do? Oh, it's a normal gal. Um, Did yeah. we ever answer whether or not the difference between a therapist and a psychologist Oh yeah, can yeah, I'd say a breakdown on that please would okay. be helpful for people. So there's therapists, there are psychologists, and there's psychiatrists. Why don't I do all three while we're please. here? Mm-hmm. Um, therapists typically have two year degrees, so they're either a licensed clinical L C L licensed mental health counselor, mm-hmm. LMHC. Okay. Or an LCSW, licensed clinical social worker. That's what Stephanie is. That's sure. what my friend okay. is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Two different degree sets, two different mm-hmm. types of schooling. Mm-hmm. Both can come out and do the exact same thing. Okay. Okay. But they're trained differently. Social workers are trained more in like a case management mm-hmm. and also some therapy to utilize during the case management. LMHCs are trained to do therapy. Okay. Not necessarily case management. Like the discipline of social work came about because of the case management piece, like finding homes for people, finding resources, really helping mm-hmm. them. It didn't really start with the therapy piece, but in order to compete with the LMHC masters, well, you have to. Well, then you have the psychologist. That is, so to be a therapist, you do college and then two years of your masters. Mm-hmm. And then some, you have to do, I think, two years after that for your licensure hours, for your supervisor mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. But you can't prescribe any type no. of, okay, no. so you're Correct. just listening and advising. Yep. Essentially. Yeah. Okay. Correct. They cannot prescribe at all. There's not even any statutes in any states that allow that. Psychologists, you go to school for your four undergrad years and you go to school for six more years okay. where you get two years of that as your master's and then after the last four, you obtain your PhD. Mm. After your PhD, you do a postdoc. If you, well, there's a lot of states that don't require licensure for a psychologist without a post, without, wait. There are a few states that don't require a postdoc to get licensed as a psychologist. Okay. There are more that do. Sure. So therefore, I did the postdoc just to be covered my bases. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you do that and then that's like, I guess, seven years after college that you're in school still, you're friends with that and then you can get a job. But before you get a job, you have to take a licensure test, just like they do in the master's level, a different test. Um, but we'll all have to One take a test. test to then get licensed by the department of health or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. A psychiatrist goes to college regular, goes to medical school, does like a residency in, oh. um, psychiatry. So, and they are off the cuff allowed to prescribe. Okay, but you still aren't. Psychologists are not, no? Unfortunately not. There's only five states in the United States Mm -hmm. that allow that. Louisiana, Illinois, Iowa, mm, two others that I can't recall right now. Mm -hmm. None of which are close to us. Got it. So hopefully that will be the case because we, the one thing that's left out in our training is the psycho farm because we don't have enough time. So like we're focused on mental health treatments, how to treat somebody in a therapeutic environment, period, Mm -hmm. without medication, even though medication is very, very helpful Mm -hmm. and a lot of cases is very effective and useful and maybe that person stays on it for a long time maybe they just haven't needed it for the short time and then come off right yeah. mm-hmm. there's severe mental illnesses like schizophrenia and things like that that have to have lifelong medication there's no way around it right mm-hmm. so anyways psychiatry was originally developed to treat the severe mentally ill you know people who mm-hmm. were inpatient hospitalized constantly consistently right well psychology was developed um obviously it's in direct competition with medicine medicine yeah. is a very old discipline mm-hmm so not only do we not have time for psychopharm in our curriculum because there's so much else to do, um, 
but we're not allowed to prescribe. So in order for me to prescribe, I'd have to go back to school, which mm-hmm. I eventually will once Florida or whatever state, let's say I end up in in years to come, um, allows that privilege. We have to go back to school for at least two years part-time to become what you would call a clinical, um, a clini- a medical psychologist, sorry, oh, okay. to where we'd be allowed to prescribe. But it's useless to do unless you're in a state in which allows you to do so. Right. So I know the therapy. I know how to treat somebody without medication, but I would mm-hmm. love to learn how to treat them with. Right. Because I think then we'd be... Would be the bee's knees. Oh, uh huh. But medicine is an old discipline, so do psychiatry so? doesn't want that. Sorry, do you think psychiatry they are not as good at, at evaluating people because they go straight to the medicine, or is that just like a kind of stereotype? They have less schooling built in as compared to us with regards to how to treat somebody from a psychotherapy perspective. Mm-hmm. They have some of that built in. But not like what we do. That's right. what I will say. This is a particular soapbox of mine <laughs> that I don't. I don't think I should get into on the no. air. But um, <laughs> off the record, I, off the record, I'll be glad to tell you my opinions. But I do. We it, we go through the six years plus postdoc is straight up psychotherapy. Yeah. How to do it? How to work with people of all different presenting concerns? Psychiatry. They they do learn about these techniques. But their main focus is medicine. They sure. know the body. They, I mean, they go to medical school. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they're. So if you see someone that you think really needs medicine, then do you just have to find a psychiatrist to refer mm-hmm. them to? Is mm-hmm. that how that works? Okay. Correct. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And that's how therapists would do it as well. Or like a nurse, a psychiatric nurse practitioner. So there's there's other disciplines that can prescribe psychiatric medications that are not just psychiatrists. Yeah. Um, that are also sometimes cheaper or on insurance panels for mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. that it might be more affordable. This was so informative. I know. Is there anything else you want the people to know from your heart? Oh goodness. Any any lasting words for the no, folks out there? Can't no pressure. <laughs> Can't think of anything off the no. cuff, um, but this was very nice. We just yeah. get to talk about. Sure, yeah, I'll come back. Yeah, come back and next time you just be funny because you're just sure. so funny too. I don't know. <laughs> just be... I know you got tastes of it, people, but she's a riot. Oh, mm-hmm. riot. A riot, so good. <laughs> be happy to come back. It was great, ladies. Okay, a good time. Here. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. See you later. Bye. See you later. Bye. <laughs> We say it every time, and I'll say it again. Loved that one. Loved it. The best mess around that ever messed. I think, oh man, I didn't say welcome to another mess around in our intro. Whatever. <laughs> like, are we going to record it? They know. I should have said, it's Mar and Dex back for a mess around. So oh. I'll say that now. Um, we loved this mess around. This was an informative, helpful, strong mess around with our amazing doctor friend, Andrean. It was. I got so much insight, learned a lot. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Oh, speaking of. Speaking of. Adrienne, how did you feel about being in the podcast? I felt great. She, she said felt she felt great. She loved it. Um, so we're just going to keep it short and sweet and say that we were so blessed that she came on. We're going to send her a thank you letter or something. Or wine. Or wine or whatever. We are forever in her debt, and we definitely will have her back on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely come back. Yes. Yeah, she'll come back. Oh, you're just in time for the Korean word. Yeah. When they come back. <laughs> what is it? This this week we're learning I love you. Oh. Yeah. How do you say it? Okay. One more time. <laughs> Five more times, please. I didn't, I didn't catch it. Sarangay. Sarangay? Sarangay. Sarangay. Yeah. So like Serengeti, but not Sarangay. If I'm going to. Sarangay. Yes, but you got to like mold it. It's very okay. forward of the mouth. Sarangay. 
사랑해. 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 